Do the intro thing. Yes, sir. <sighs> Why do you say it like that? Welcome to Less Than or Equal, the podcast about pursuing equality in geekdom by celebrating the diverse and their accomplishments. I am not your host, Aline Sims, and today I am joined by your host, Justin Michael. Hello, everyone. So uh, I had a couple of interviews fall through this week, and instead of skipping the episode altogether, we figured that it's been a while since I've done kind of a follow-up episode, I think over a year since that's happened. So why not? Oh, well, a follow-up to what? Just kind of what my thoughts are on podcasting, what I've learned about things. Um, I don't know. We kind of asked people or I asked people on Twitter today to send in some questions. So we have a couple of those. And then you said that you'd written a couple down too. So um, I guess we just kind of kind of see where this goes. Um, as is infamous in the podcast world, I don't think this is going to go on for too long, which might mean that it's going to be an hour and a half long. So <laughs> we'll just see how it goes. Yeah. So um, hello again, everyone. Uh, I'm Justin. I was on the first episode. I'm Aline's husband. Um, and because I'm the host this time, Ooh. Uh, I get to ask you, who are you, Aline? <laughs> um, I'm the host of a podcast called Less Than or Equal, typically, um, where I talk to cool people about their geeky projects. Um, I'm also a writer in the tech industry. Um, I kind of try to take complicated things and make them less complicated for um, people who aren't necessarily tech savvy. And I think most important, and I think most importantly, I am a diversity and inclusivity advocate. Um, and I think that's um, kind of how I would define myself as um, who I have become over the last, I don't know, almost year and a half that, that we've been doing this because you edit every show. So we have been doing this. It's not just me. I would like everybody to know. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about the show. Um, the first episode of Less Than or Equal was released on June 16th, 2014. You did research. I did. I did a little research. Yeah. And uh, now 64 episodes and over a year later, has the show turned out the way you expected it to? I think mostly. Yeah. I think in most ways, it's what I wanted it to be. We talked a lot before I started or before we started, we talked a lot about um, what the tone of this show um, could be, what, you know, what it should be. And there was a lot of discussion around that and especially around because because the types of things that we talk about and because of the types of people who generally come on the show are marginalized people who are um, often struggle with um, with fitting in or feeling welcome in their spaces. Um, I was worried that it would like be a downer and be like this really negative thing. But I think that for the most part, there have definitely been some episodes where it's been like, I've walked away and thought, wow, this was really important, but I feel kind of bad. Like I feel, you know, things kind of suck. But mostly I walk away thinking, wow, this person I talked with is really, really neat. They're doing really neat things. They have a lot of amazing insights. And that's what I wanted the show to be was like this, um, the celebration, which is why that's in kind of the pre-roll, the celebration of people and the things that they're doing. 
So over the course of the 64 episodes that have been produced so far, are there any favorite moments that stand out? Oh my gosh. Um, that's such a hard question because I've had so many cool conversations with people. Um, I remember the first moment where I thought, oh my gosh, I'm so totally and completely in over my head was when I was talking with Ash Dryden. I think it was episode six. And she said something about how um, HTTPS is kind of this, um, is a barrier for people to, um, you know, like Google penalizing people for not having um, HTTPS websites was, was a negative thing for a lot of people. And I had this like, this, I can't even describe it, but like this dawning realization that there are so many things that I've never even considered um, that that I'm I'm going to have to learn and that I'm going to stick my foot in my mouth a whole heck of a lot. And I'm going to have to learn how to deal with that. So that HTTPS issue was interesting. It was like like the issue there is that, you know, not everyone has access to or or the resources to obtain a certificate. So Google giving more Google juice. Yeah, Google juice <laughs> to the sites that are secured with HTTPS. That's kind of a way of, you know, giving less to those without as many resources. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And financial I mean resources really in many ways, not completely, but in a lot of ways really boiling down to money. Um which is is being, I think, solved. Um, I think we're still kind of in the process of of getting like certifications that are affordable or free to people. But um, yeah, uh, let, let's encrypt, uh, mm-hmm. which I believe is at letsencrypt.org. dot um, They're work. They're making great strides toward being a free certificate authority. Yeah, which will be incredible. Yeah. But then you still need to have someone who one knows that needs to happen. Two knows how to do it correctly you know and so there are there are more barriers to you know like ooh, i can go to wordpress.org and start a free website from my restaurant or you know whatever um taco stand but it's you know they might not know how to put that in place if they know that it's even something that they should put in place according to google rankings well how big how big an issue do you think that is you know, ongoing, like I know let's encrypt is, has put together a tool to make like installing the certificates a little bit easier for people. But mm-hmm. like you said, you know, there's still a big, there's still a big barrier there. Cause you know, you have to know enough to go find them, go find the tool, get the tool installed, run the tool and so on and so forth. Like, you know, there's always barriers to entry when it comes to technology, like how, like, how far along are we? Like, do you think there's still a, a long way to go? And, you know, what are the most, what are the most critical areas you think we need to do work in? Wow. Um, I think that there's, there's a lot and I, I'm, I'm conflicted from, um, like from a, a diversity standpoint and from a, like a professional tech person standpoint. Um, but I think that one of the big things is, um, as I talked about with Yasmin Evian, 
um, in one of the recent episodes. We'll put a link in the show notes to that one. It's it's a good episode. Um, but, you know, she was talking about her passion for um, Google products and Android specifically because the the price point and, and the barrier to entry financially is so much lower than, um, you know, with iOS. And, um, you know, you see pictures of Syrian refugees and they've got their phone. Like they might not have walked out of there with anything but the clothes on their backs and their phones. It is so, so technology is so, so important to keeping people connected. But there's also the issue of um, children in poor communities who don't have access to um, smart devices entering school behind their more affluent peers. And that's an issue that we need to solve too. Um, and, you know, I think I think that we have a really, really long way to go. And I think, um, you know, part of the issue is that tech people like me, we're so interested in the new shiny and what's coming next. And we're not kind of looking at the bigger picture. You know, we're we're looking at um, what how it's going to benefit us and how it's going to make the world better for us without realizing that um, that people are being left behind. I don't think that's everybody, but I definitely am guilty of doing that uh, frequently. So you think, you know, the biggest, the well, step one is to get more technology into the hands of more people, especially those in, you know, more underprivileged parts of the world? I think it is a step. Um, uh, you know, it, it's so nebulous. There are so many, so many ways that we can solve so many different problems. Um, it's kind of like um, one thing that I say a lot is, you know, my approach to feminism is not everybody's approach to feminism. My approach to educating people and helping people understand things is not everybody's approach. I'm kind of like, hey, when you're ready, you come to me. I have this cool podcast. You're going to learn a lot. It's going to be great. Um and then we have other people. Um, I think Brianna Wu is a person that I, I talk about a lot because one, she's been on the show a couple of times. You know, I know her. I've I've met her. Um, and you know, she's she's much more aggressive. Um, she her personality is much more aggressive than mine is. She is a business person. She is an innovator. Innovator. <laughs> she's an innovator. She knows what she wants and she's going to go after that. And her personality and her approach to feminism is completely different from mine. And we need both ends of that. I think that we're kind of both ends of the spectrum here. And um, she and I work well together. We talk well together. And we, I think we would agree that, that these kinds of approaches are necessary because different people learn and are attracted to different things. And I think the same thing applies to making technology um more widely available or improving the lives of people like there are a lot of different ways we can approach it and few of those approaches are wrong you know it's just um what works for you and how do you think you can actually com contribute actively contribute and contribute well like play to your strengths yeah so going back to favorite moments mm -hmm. um any other favorite moments that come to mind oh um Another more recent episode um, talking to Tempest Bradford, um, who is uh, I do the Gem and Holograms podcast with almost every week. Um, you know, she was talking a lot about how she's come to uh, think of modern storytellers is kind of 
culturally our shaman, you know, our people who um, help us process things, who um, help us look at things in different ways, who kind of pass on knowledge um, in innovative, creative ways. And um, that really made me think a lot. Um, I think talking to Jesse Chartier about Mobile Makers Academy and kind of her approach to um, when I'm going to air quote the women in tech problem, um, you know, is is all about making, you know, the people in her classes in, in the Mobile Makers Academy more aware kind of of what's going on about the way that they're um, talking about things, the way that they approach problems. You know, she's she's kind of helping innovate in, in that way, like just helping people be aware of how they might unconsciously be contributing to the problem. Um, oh, I've had so many amazing people on the show. Um you know, talking to to Yasmin about uh, about Android because I'm not at all in that world. Um, you know, the things that are coming to me are the recent episodes because they're fresher. Um, you know, Megan Condis, I'm talking with her about um, how trigger warnings are so important, and it's not important because it's like things that might trigger you or something that you should necessarily avoid, but just something that you need to to be prepared to encounter, um, talking to Steve Lubitz about his, his daughters, um, and parenting daughters with autism and ADD. And then later on him talking about his diagnosis of ADD, um, was amazing. Georgia Dow, um, talking about depression, um, Oh my gosh. Uh, Sharif Jackson talking about um, growing up in the inner city and the opportunities that were afforded to him. Um, Khalif Adams um, talking about, uh, gosh, what did we talk about? It was such a good episode. We talked about podcasting and um, I don't know, like it's kind of asking me to pick a favorite child. Like I've had so many amazing moments and I know that sounds like so cliche. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but honestly, I don't have any shows that I look back on and think, wow, that was awful. Nothing good came out of that. Yeah. It's, it's been a good run so far. Ooh, you're leaving room so far. So it's far. been pretty good, but yeah, we're just getting started. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the episodes that, I personally took a lot away from was uh, number 39, which was Ashley on transgender etiquette. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I felt that was a very informative and very powerful episode. Um, I was just wondering if you had any comments or thoughts looking back on that one in particular. Um, I am so incredibly grateful that Ashley came on the show. Not only that, but that, that when I was like, I really need to have someone come, you know, so we can talk about transgender um, issues and, and the things that cisgender people get wrong. And she was like, yep, I'll do it. And I was like, OK, but I might like I'd like to approach this as someone who doesn't really who's really un uninformed and wants to learn. And so, like, I want to ask kind of offensive questions. And she was like, that's fine. Let's let's do this. And I'm so incredibly grateful that she um, she was willing to do that. Um, and I've heard from a lot of people that it was an episode that helped them understand a lot of things. Um, yeah, you, you were talking about your like aha moment with the HTTPS certificates. Mm -hmm. um, I had a lot of those kinds of aha moments 
just in that one episode. That's yeah. one of the reasons I called it out. Yeah. And that was that was kind of hard for me to record. I, I don't know how Ashley felt, but I I was like because I asked questions like, why shouldn't people ask you about your genitals if you've had um if you've had confirmation mm, if you've had confirmation surgery or not you know and and those kinds of questions which i know are are extremely um like why would you ask anybody about you know and so i was like i really don't want to ask this but it's so important because it's something that i see people ask all the time and they're not they don't mean ill but it really has the potential to hurt people. Um, and I'd like to do more episodes like that. I want to have the, um, I, I've been calling it the white people don't be ridiculous episode, um, where I'd like to get some of my, my friends of color on, uh, on the show so that we can kind of do some education around that. I'd like to have, you know, um, something about different kinds of disabilities. So people, um, who are vision, um, so people with low vision or who are blind or people who are, you know, um, have their hearing impaired to some degree. Um, that's something that I would I would really like to have more like that. Um, but they're extremely difficult for me to do. Um, firstly, because on some of these issues, I am not very informed. And so if, like I'm honestly going to be asking this, these questions and that's kind of embarrassing. Like it's one thing if I can say I know these are not OK questions you know, just bear with me, but it's another one to be like, yeah, I'm truly ignorant. Um, would you please come educate me? Well, you know, I think that's one of the great things about this show is that like, we all have areas, you know, where we just don't know, you know, it's, it's not part of our world. We don't have any, anybody in our lives who has certain, you know, disabilities or certain ethnicities or, you know, ethnicities. Eth yeah. Certain ethnicities. Yeah, I'm stumbling when I'm talking a lot tonight, too. You know, so I think the show is, is wonderful for, you know, helping people learn about these things that, you know, I think everyone should at least be marginally aware of it at the very least. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I, I don't think there's anything to be embarrassed about, you know, as far as, you know, not knowing, you know, especially if you're coming from a position of, of wanting to find out. Yeah, I think um, I think that gets a little bit tricky, though, because I am in a position where I am asking, you know, people of color to come on and take on something that they really shouldn't need to take on. You know, like where, where it gets hairy for me is it's like, OK, Ashley came on the show and we talked about transgender issues, but it's not Ashley's responsibility to educate the world on trans issues and, and, and the things that she faces as a trans person. Um, just like, you know, when I do this episode about, um, you know, the white people stop being ridiculous episode, you know, it's not the responsibility of those people to come on and, you know, be like, oh, well, I'm a person of color and I'm an authority on this thing. And anyone should ask me questions about this at any time because that's you know and that, that so it's like I don't want on the one hand I I want people to be educated on the other hand I don't want to be the takeaway I don't want the takeaway to be that you can just go up to a person of color and ask them your you know borderline racist question um and that's part of why I haven't done it is um figuring out how to handle that um I guess I just had the episode with disclaimers like like I did with the episode with Ashley where it's like 
she's being really generous here. Don't do this to people. Yeah. And, and that is something worth calling out. You know, a, a lot of, you know, ton, so many of your guests have had so much grace and, and so much patience and so much to share, you know, being in the situations they're in, being in the, in the positions they're put in, relaying their experiences and stuff. And, you know, like if the world were a wonderful, fair place for everyone, this show wouldn't exist. That's true. You know, but it's not, you know, the world is messy and problematic and, you know, the only way to make things better is to, is to talk about them and, and address the issues and, you know, help get people informed, help people realize that there are changes that need to be made and get them to take action and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And that's one of the reasons that I think that's one of the reasons why I think this show is so incredibly important and so powerful. Yeah. And I think, I think something that I say quite frequently, I don't know if I say it on the show, but I say it in other places is the way we destigmatize things as we talk about them. You know, um, that's why I had that episode with Georgia Dow where we came, you know, we both came and talked very frankly about depression. And she talked about um, her experience postpartum having um, an episode where she was was really, really depressed. And I've kind of talked about the situational things and some of the things that I faced growing up because I very firmly believe that's how we stop making these things something to be ashamed of. Is we just say, hey, yeah, I've struggled with depression and I got help and, you know, things are better now. Yeah. And, and that's a great segue into my next question, actually. So um, back in late August on episode 55, you talked to Nicole Tompkins Hughes mm-hmm. um, about a lot of things. Um, that was a good episode. Yeah, that was a really good episode. And then they're um, all good episodes. Sorry. <laughs> And then, you know, one of the big top topics was parenting mm-hmm. and, um, you know, raising children. And then the last episode, number 64, uh, you talked to her again right? Um, to follow up with some of the issues that were brought up there. Mm-hmm. And one of the big ones, um, what, a big theme there was um, the bullying that her, her child was, mm-hmm. was facing. And I think that resonated really well with both you and I. Because we were both bullied as children. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder if you wanted to expand on that or talk a little bit more about that. About me being bullied? Well, just, just about the fact that, you know, like there are different episodes, you know, in, in the back catalog um, about a, a wide range of topics from, you know, being trans to being bullied to being marginalized, um, being part of the of a minority of some sort, you know, and different, different topics resonate with different people. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, those two episodes with Nicole were ones that resonated with both of us. Mm -hmm. And I was just wondering if you want to talk about the, about, you know, the fact that, you know, some topics resonates and others don't and what, what that's like. I think that's part of why I decided to structure the show like I did, um, you know, after you and I had kind of bounced back and forth about what to do, because initially it was like, oh, this is going to be a women in tech show. And I was like, well, that's going to get kind of repetitive, even though there's a lot of different facets to tech. Um, that's kind of going to get repetitive. And there are other things happening in geeky spaces that 
aren't so great. You know, at, at that point in time, there was um, there had recently been a convention, you know, a comic con or or something along that line, um, where one of the t-shirt vendors had uh, a shirt that said, um, "I like why I like my women like I like my coffee. I don't like coffee," you know, and so the, I was like wait, like I go to cons, I I do comic book conventions and I wouldn't feel welcome if I saw someone wearing that. And so that there are other, other spaces where people don't feel welcome. And, um, I kind of wanted to address all of that and, um, make it more universally appealing. Um, so that's kind of why, why there might be an episode or two where something like really, really resonates with me um, or you, or, you know, the person listening and maybe the next one, it won't so much, but maybe the one after that, it will. Um, it's kind of an intentional thing just, you know, to one, raise my awareness because I'm an inherently selfish person. Um, and two, just kind of, you know, let us all see different things and think about things that we might not have otherwise. Okay. So back on April 13th, you interviewed Jean McDonald. I did. On uh, episode 36. And um, you talked about Amp Camp, App Camp for Girls. I do that too, Amp Camp. Yeah. Yeah. You talked with her about App Camp for Girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, you've actually been active with App Camp for Girls. So, mm-hmm. you know, on the show, you talk to other people. And one of the things you're great at as an interviewer is, is getting other people to talk and then stepping back and letting them tell their stories. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the, one of the great things that you do for the community is this show. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't usually give you a platform to talk about some of the other stuff you're doing outside the show. And I think app camp for girls is a big, a big part of that. Mm-hmm. So this is your chance. So mm-hmm. so why don't you talk a little bit about your involvement with App Camp for Girls and what they do and, and you know, some of the other things that you're doing outside the show mm-hmm. to help the community. So for those who are new to the show and haven't listened to that episode first, I'll, I'll sum up um, as much as I can, I guess. Um, so, yeah, Jean McDonald is the founder of an organization called App Camp for Girls. And um, really the mission... Um, as I see it, I'm not speaking for the organization or Jean, um, but the the mission as I see it is really to teach to teach girls that technology is fun. And the way they do that is um, they take a group of 12 girls and for five days, those girls learn how to write apps. Um so so the episode with Jean is basically like me trying to figure out how I could get involved without like it was like this veil. So if I, I have Jean on the show and I like figure out how I can get involved, maybe I can actually get involved. And that's actually kind of how it how it transpired. So if you listen to the episode, you can hear me saying, so let's just say I was interested in bringing a phoenix or you can hear me say so let's just say I was interested in like starting a phoenix camp what would I need to do and Gina was like well theoretically you know this is what we would do and then we you know I I stopped recording at the end of the episode and I said Jean I really want to do this and Jean said oh good I really want you to do this and so 
I went to Portland for a week in August. I volunteered. Um, I actually was a, a project team manager. Um, so I had a team of four um, girls. And and it's this amazing experience where in five days, we went from like these kids, most of them not knowing any anything about app development. And so we start with brainstorming apps and we go to creating them, creating the artwork for them, creating the icons for them, doing presentations, doing pitch sessions in front of um, would-be investors. Five days, these kids write a quiz app in Swift. It's this really, really neat thing to experience and to see. Um, And hopefully... We're still kind of um, figuring some things out, but we are hoping that we will be able to start a Phoenix camp next summer. Um, we don't know yet for sure, but yeah, it's it's a thing we want to do. And actually, as we're recording this, today is my birthday. Um, and part of what I wanted to do th- with that was kind of raise some money for App Camp because I believe it is so very important. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, I'm turning 33. I want to raise $330 for App Camp. And one person donated $330. So I'm pretty sure that we're going to get up to $1,000, which I think is really, really cool for something that I did not plan at all in advance. <laughs> so next year, I'm going to I'm gonna set sites a little bit bigger. But um, it's something I really believe in. And even if we can't make Phoenix Camp ha- happen this year, I am so incredibly proud to be a part of this organization because I really do think it's 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 going to help change things. We have a lot of problems in tech. Um, there's, there is the quote unquote pipeline problem where not, not as many girls are showing interest in tech, but there's also the issues for the, for the women who are already here. And we, I think we need to solve it from both ends. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do. That's why I have the show, but that's why I'm also involved with app camp. And even if when I never have a Phoenix camp, I will be an ardent supporter of this organization. That's really neat. It's really neat. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. So this was your first podcast. Like mm-hmm. this is, you know, you've been on some other shows as guests. Um, since I started this one. Since though. you started this one. Right. Um, and you're on the, the gem cast. Mm-hmm. But, but Less Than or Equal was your first foray into podcasting. Mm-hmm. So um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about like what aspects of producing the show have been unexpectedly easy? Like you thought they would be harder, but they turned out to not be that big of an issue, things like that. I thought it would be a lot harder talking to people I didn't know than it has been. I'm I'm pretty introverted and interviews actually take quite a bit of energy out of me, but I really, really enjoy talking to people. Um, and... Yeah, I think that's been that's been the thing that I really thought I would struggle with and I haven't really. And I I thought it would be further challenge or further challenging because unlike you, I don't actually prep questions in advance. I kind of um I know generally what I want to talk about, but I've one I was getting really really stressed out by like determining what the best questions would be and if I can make them fit the flow of the conversation. And, and I was just like, you know what, this is a pet project. I don't need that stress. So that's going to go off to the side. And I kind of want to talk about these topics. Um, and we'll just kind of see where the conversation goes. And I'm, I'm far more interested in having a genuine conversation with someone than I am hitting points one, two, three, four. 
Um, so that has gone a lot better than I ever anticipated that it would. I kind of thought it was a bad idea, but I was like, well, I'll try it and see what happens. So your instinct there was to introduce a, a good bit of structure and you, it turned out that it just wasn't needed. I don't think so. I mean, I've had some people. So one thing that you complimented me on, thank you, by the way, was that, um, that it's really, the show is really a place where people can come speak you know, and they can say what they want to say. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't typically interrupt to ask questions. I typically let the guest guide the direction of the show. And I've had some people criticize me for that. Like you need to rein your guests in. And um, my perspective on that is that frequently my guests aren't allowed to speak or they're not allowed to speak in the way that they want to. Or they're discouraged from speaking. Exactly. Or they're discouraged from speaking. So so I want this to be a place where they can just come and they can talk about what they want to talk about. Like, I don't need to put any more restrictions on people than they already have. This is not the show for that. There are other shows that can do that. Um, so, yeah, I don't remember where I was going with that. But but that's <laughs> that's one of the things that I've been um, that was a conscious decision, I guess. Um, is there anything else that's been, you know, a lot easier than you expected it to be? No. <laughs> there are a lot of things that are about what I expected them to be, but not a lot of things are easier than I thought they'd be. Okay. Uh, what about harder? What's been like more of a challenge, more of a struggle than you anticipated? Finding guests um, isn't necessarily harder than I anticipated, but it is every bit as difficult as I thought it would be. Um which is why we're having the show this week. Um, I've been really, really lucky, though, I think, in that um, sometime, sometimes it's been, you know, scraping through by the skin of my teeth, but I've, I've almost always found a guest um, every week. Um, and, you know, we were able to move. So originally it was a biweekly show for that reason. And it didn't take very long before I was able, we were able to go weekly. Um, so that, that surprised me, but yeah, finding guests is always a challenge. Um, but it's always kind of fun to see what ends up happening. Um, I think the other thing is I really, um, I'm going to, I'm going to sound, I don't know, going to sound a little cocky here, but I really think this is a really good show. And um, I don't have as many listeners as I thought I would like, I, um, it, it, it started off really strong. Like, you know, I had like 400 RSS subscriptions within like the first couple of months. And you know, um, but really, all of this year, it's kind of grown very, very gradually. And I'm only maybe, you know, I get and maybe 200 downloads per episode up from the shows that we were producing in January, um, which isn't a, you know, it's not a bad thing. I just kind of thought that I'd have, have more listeners, but I understand how daunting it can seem. Um, you know, it's kind of hard. We've tried to make pursuing equality and geekdom like, like a not scary thing to talk about or listen to and tried to make it, you know, accessible and interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, really that's been the one thing is uh, it just, it hasn't grown quite as quickly as I thought it would. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the motivations you had when you started the show, like why you started the show, but mostly, you know, leading off of that, how, if and how those motivations have changed now that you're, you know, over a year into it. 
I want to change the world. So was that your motivation <laughs> when you started or is that your motivation now? Both. Um, I think, so the origin story of the show is basically, um, I was the coordinator of an IT department, um, in an office building and, um, I was in charge of like deploying iPads and, um, going to like the support staff every day and saying, Hey, did you do the thing that you said you would do? And, um, we kind of had some change in leadership and I had some gender based comments made at me. Um, like, Oh, you notice the only w woman in the room is the one who tells customers no. Um, like things like that, that were just like, this is not okay. And I realized um, that had really been my first brush with any kind of sexism in the workplace, because I had worked with you, I'd worked with, you know, your best friend, we brought a person on, um, you know, hired someone who became another best friend, you know, so I was working with all of these guys who were wonderful, you know, they were you know, I could go cry in their offices. They came and cried in my office. <laughs> like, you know, it was just like this really amazing, trusting, um, familial environment. And I know people say that like work was like family, but like, seriously, the best man at our wedding, the person who got ordained so he could perform the ceremony. These were the people that we worked with. And, you know, this, this kind of new wave of people came in and they were different and they had different um, ideas about what a person who worked in IT looked like and sounded like and what they would tell people. And I realized that this was something that that women face every day across, you know, across the industry and in, in a bunch of different roles. And I was like, this is not okay. And a lot of a lot of it's happening just because of ignorance. And so there's some education that needs to happen. Um, and then, you know, as I talked about before, it kind of broadened from there. It was like, oh, well, women in tech. And then it was like, well, wait a minute, like, people of color in tech also have a really hard time. So let's you know, bump that up a little bit. And then it was like, oh, wait, well, tech isn't just the only place where this happens. It happens in, you know, literature and science fiction writing. There aren't a lot of women and people of color writing science fiction. So, you know, it kind of got a little bit broader. Um, so it's like, I, I want to help change attitudes. I want to help change, um, people call it unconscious bias, um, but I've heard it referred to as I want to change that background radiation that people are assaulted with all the time by just educating people and letting people know, you know, hey, you're making some of these offhanded comments and it's not okay. Um, so, so that's how that's like my approach to changing the world, at least initially. And now I think it's a little bit more hands on. I'm, you know, I, I talk, gave a talk at um, UltraConf, not UltraConf. I gave a talk. I gave a talk at AltConf um, over the summer about um, seven ways to make the tech industry more inclusive to people. Um, I'm helping with App Camp for Girls, maybe starting a camp. Um, I would like to actually give some more talks um, along inclusivity and diversity, different from the one in San Francisco, but, you know, things things like that. So I, I want to be a little bit more hands-on than I have been with just, like, the podcast. But really, the goal is to to change the world by helping people change their attitudes. Does that sound like really idealistic? Yeah, I think it does sound idealistic, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, this is how change happens. Like, you know, we have to envision a better world before we can get there. 
we have to know what the goals are. We have to know where we're going, you know, and, you know, most of this is about the journey and not the destination, but we, that doesn't mean we don't need a specific destination. You know, we have to be moving in a direction. That's true. So one of the things you just talked about was how you want to do more speaking. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what you want to speak about and who you want to speak to? I, I, I don't know that I know yet. Um, you know, I was lucky because I got a scholarship to Coco Love in Philadelphia um, in, what month was that? October. <laughs> I spent a weekend in Philadelphia in October at Coco Love, and it was such a great little conference. And I was like, I think I could do a really good talk here about you know, something. <laughs> and, um, I don't know. I know that public speaking is something I actually really enjoy doing. Um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm okay at it and I will, I, I think I could get really good at it. Um, but really I just, um, I want to find, I guess I want to find fun ways, um, entertaining ways of talking about, inclusivity, diversity, advocacy, and allyship, um, which are, it, it sounds like I said the same thing four times, but those are actually like different things. Um, I want to, I want to find a way to bring that to different kinds of audiences. Um, and I don't know, I think, I think I could do it. I haven't actually started looking for conferences with, um, you know, calls for proposals or anything like that yet. Um, but it's something that um, maybe my goal for next year will be to to put two in and see if I see if I can speak some more. So we've talked a lot about, you know, how the show got started and difficulties and things that are easy and stuff. Um, and we've talked a lot about past episodes, past guests, experiences you've had so far. Mm -hmm. um, let's let's look to the future now. Oh, gosh. So you've had, you know, this is episode 65. You've put out 64 episodes so far. Mm -hmm. Where do you see the show 64 episodes from now? Um, better sound quality. I think that's what I'm always supposed to promise as a podcaster is audio will be better next week. Uh, although I think that we're getting pretty close to getting it dialed in. We've done a lot of experimenting um, and it's definitely better than episode one. So um, I think we're I think we're getting there. Yeah. One of the biggest challenges is that you interview so many people who are, you know, cast all over the globe with so many different kinds of setups, so many different computers, so many different microphones. Um, you know, many of them, you know, are just like many of them are not podcasters. Yeah. They're, they're not, you know, musicians. They don't have a lot of equipment, things like that. So, you know, that that's been a challenge is is trying to get good good audio quality out of everyone mm -hmm. and we don't always get good audio quality out mm -hmm. of everyone but we try though yeah we try and you know i i think it's you know i think it's forgivable you know here and there simply because the the people have such worthwhile things to say yeah absolutely I, I totally agree. And hats off, headphones off to you, um, because you edit every episode. You make everybody sound as good as you can. Um, I know you've put a lot of work. Um, we've put, you know, 
some money into buying some professional tools to make the sound quality as good as we can. And I do so greatly appreciate you, even though I have to empty the dishwasher every every time in recompense for <laughs> for this. But um Honestly, the show would not exist if you were not editing it because I hate editing myself. You do hate it. I remember. I really do. I remember the episode you. The one episode. The one episode you edited. You you were so mad. I wasn't. I just wanted to poke my eyes out with a pencil. I just. I. It's not something I like. Yeah, you're you're not compatible with editing. Also, you didn't listen to that episode until you went through and re-edited it. So it's nice because you actually get to listen to the podcast when you edit. Yes, that's true. Yeah. So um, anyway, you know, sound quality is always something that we're going to strive to do better. Um, And I don't know, really, I just kind of see having more conversations with more people. I don't really have like these ambitious goals you know like I'd, I'd love to have um some celebrities on like do you think Obama this would be like maybe one of the podcasts he'd come on maybe when he's not in office anymore you never know <laughs> you know uh but honestly this is so very close to the show I envisioned I just want to keep doing it that doesn't mean there's not room for improvement, but I don't know that there's going to be like vast differences later on. So that's all the questions I have. Um, is there anything else that you would like to talk about? I mean, most of the time you're asking other people that. Now I'm asking <laughs> you. Um, what have you learned? You are a cisgender straight white man. What have you learned? Well, I've learned a ton, you know, like I've learned about you know, how diversity can be a huge benefit to, you know, industries and and groups and spaces that don't have a lot of it. I've learned about, you know, how to be a really good ally, how to be an advocate for people, the importance of, um, the importance of telling stories. Mm -hmm. Um, each episode has, like I was saying earlier, different perspectives, different stories from different people in different situations. And I think there's wisdom to take from each one of them that's a little bit different from each one, each of the others. Yay. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about on your show? I really think the big thing I want to say is while the show hasn't grown, I have so many amazing listeners and I'm so grateful for every single one of them. So every one of you who downloads and listens to the show every week, whether I hear from you or not, I appreciate you so greatly. Um, the people who have become friends, um, because of our interactions due to the show, um, I appreciate all of you, anyone who's written an email, anyone who's recommended a guest. Thank you so much. Um, because really without, without people listening, the show wouldn't exist, but, um, more than that, without guests, the show wouldn't exist. It would just be you and me staring at each other. Um, so I, I really appreciate the people who have been willing to come on and, and, and talk and really in some cases kind of bear their souls. Um, you know, I'm, I'm extremely grateful, especially to the people who came on early episodes when this hadn't started and they were just really kind of taking me at my word for what I wanted the show to be, um, you know, cause they couldn't go back and listen through a back catalog or anything. Um, 
And to everyone who will come on the show, whether you've heard of it or not at this point, um, I appreciate, you know, your willingness to talk to me and um, just to have cool conversations and to learn new things. I think um, I think I'm a professional learner, like if I'm not learning, something's wrong. And this this has been um this has been such a grand opportunity to learn things that I probably never would have even considered otherwise. So thanks. All right. Do the outro thing. You can find the show on Twitter at less than or equal. If you have feedback, suggestions for guests, or would like to be a guest, please go to less than or and fill out the contact form. If you have a few minutes, it would be great if you would tell a friend about the show or leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Until next time on an internet near you, I'm Aline Sims with my husband, Justin Michael, for Less Than or Equal. Is that the new sound? No, that's horrible. It's not even close. Why? No, don't do that. I'm your babe. No, you're not. I'm so your babe. No. Can we talk about that? No, this is, Micah asked. I didn't think you'd allow it. Yeah, no.